All right, and I think we're live. Okay, so let's just get this out of the way first. Kanye West has finally announced that he's running for president. Kanye 2020. You think, you think it's real? Of course it's real. Nothing with Kanye is not real. But then again, he tends to promise a lot of things that never happen. So he said that... That's what I'm saying. Kids he Ghost would have, like, like it would be accompanied by an animated short film, but that didn't happen. He said Watch the Throne 2 was going to happen and Jay-Z would come back for a collaboration. That didn't happen. And there's all of those albums that he claimed to want to release that never ended up getting released. Maybe this is another one of those false promises. Okay, but wait, yeah, it's no, obviously this is, this a joke, This is what right? I was thinking. Like, no, it's not going to... I don't he, think it's a joke. I, don't he, think, I think he means it. Head. Yeah, in his yeah, head, he it's clearly it, not but, a joke. But will he follow through with it? Like, will he actually do it? I don't think it's legally going to work out because I Why think not? 12 states have already had their primaries. You don't need yeah, primaries, true. right? Let's just say he runs as a Republican, right? The Republican national. Yeah, okay, fine. Okay, then no, I guess it's a little different. So well, you have to register to run as an independent and be on the ballot. And I think deadlines for that have passed in 11 states. Right. So uh, he definitely can't contest all of them. Maybe he can be a write-in candidate. I'm not sure of the specifics, but he definitely... There's some clause, right? Yeah, like you, you can just write your name on the ballot. I'm something honestly like not sure is. how that works. But the critical mass on something like that is very, very tough. He can't win, in my opinion. Not this late in the race anyway. I think another bigger reason, like even if I were to ignore all of the practical realities, they might never let him become president because he has openly admitted to having bipolar disorder and he is known to get into these delusional thought patterns. I don't think they'll let someone like that handle nuclear Wait, is that is that even a thing? Like you can't become president if you have known like mental illnesses? Well, it's not a thing. But then if I had to choose between a candidate who has bipolar disorder versus a candidate who doesn't, I would probably I mean, go for the one that doesn't because he could yeah, handle then, like, like not nuking North Korea one day, right? But the ones that don't are Trump and Biden. That's true. Yeah, one has eight rape allegations. The other has, what, 22? I saw this in a meme, though. What's one thing that they don't, either the both of the other candidates don't have or are, are not? A pedophile. Then <laughs> Kanye 2020 on the bottom. Okay, hang on. The allegations. I mean, there's the Tara Reid allegations where she's been pretty open about it. She's gone public with it and it's been a thing for, I think, almost a decade. And there have been cover-ups and stuff. But yeah, I, I don't find either of them appealing candidates. I would still vote for Kanye just because I like the guy. <laughs> but, but again, like, it's, it's, I don't think Kanye adds anything to the presidential debate other than like a lot of entertainment. But that's then true. that's the thing, like given that the other two candidates are also what they are. I don't see how it can get worse. It can only get better. If anything, if he's on the debate podium, it's going to be interesting. Oh, I will pay to watch this. If he ends up on the podium for the debate. Oh my God. Dude, but... There's so many memes. And I've been seeing them periodically since yesterday. Some some people are like, thank you for taking votes away from Biden and helping Donald Trump get reelected. Living in the U.S. right now is just so bizarre. As someone who's not from this country, like I don't think I could have picked like a better slash worse time to come here. Anytime that Kanye does something other than make music, it's generally a very stressful time to be a Kanye fan. That's, <laughs> this is something I've learned over the years. So 
every single person asked me, what do you think about this? Do you support what he's saying? Do you think slavery is a choice? Now, how do I explain this to them? Like what Kanye says is as much a mystery to me as it is to everybody else. Yeah. But you know, I like his music. It's, it uplifts me. And I feel like I know enough about him that I know he's not a bad person. And what he says and what he does are two very different things. So for instance, he had this whole slavery is a choice thing that was going on, which made people believe that he doesn't care about the African-American community anymore. But then reports came out that he had donated around $2 million to families that were affected by police brutality. Like George Floyd Potter got a college fund that he did. Right. So there's that. Yeah, it's definitely and, hard to be a Kanye fan sometimes. But it's been a big week for him. You, you, you guys also heard he announced the gap deal with Easy. Right. What's this now? Redoubles, you know about this, right? No, I didn't read about this. He switched his sponsorship from Adidas to Gap. No, 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 no. For I think clothing. Adidas still, no, Adidas still. Oh, Adidas still makes Adidas, the shoes. Adidas still makes the shoes. Adidas never made the clothing. I think right, right. Easy made yeah, it. yeah. Like he had his own, like, I mean, of course, his own label, but I think his manufacturing was also his personal thing. But now they've moved over to Gap. Which is like, I don't know. Who wears Gap? I mean, so people, people wear Gap anymore? People wear Gap, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Gap is like a weird in-between brand in my eyes. It's the same company that owns Banana Republic, Gap, right. and Old Navy, right? Yeah. So Old Navy is like super cheap. I mean, okay quality stuff that I buy. <laughs> then there's Banana Republic, which is slightly better quality. And Gap is somewhere in between. So Gap was pretty so, big in like the 90s. I remember yeah, going and it, like buying a bunch of stuff from Gap. Is it big anymore? But maybe this is like a move on Gap's part to become relevant again. Right. It's definitely a massive brand, I think, globally. We just, at B-School, we did a case study in my retailing class about, they had this table that showed sales figures and margin figures and so on and market shares for a lot of these clothing companies. So there was H&M, Zara, Gap. These three were like the big players that were fighting each other globally. And then there was a bunch of others like JCPenney and the ones you guys mentioned, Banana Republic and the others. But Zara has a way of doing things that we looked at in that case. So in their hometown where everything's set up, their factories, they have these underground tunnels where they carry the clothes from the production line all the way to where they have to be shipped out through those tunnels. There's like a straight line that leads from one place to the other. They don't have to use your normal routes for the transit of goods, which means that a lot of problems with traffic and so on are avoided. And they have a sophisticated way of getting designs from all over the world and copying them very quickly. So if something came out in a fashion week in Milan today, within hours, they will have copycats ready and they'll start shipping them out to places around the world. Okay, but it's called Paris Fashion Week. And then New York Fashion Week. Just wanted to like point that out. No, what I was thinking of when you said of the whole underground tunnel thing, you think that's where Elon Musk got his idea of like digging tunnels Fucking a. all over LA? He got that idea. What he's doing. Yeah, I, I think it's obviously a genius idea, but he got that idea because he wanted to connect San Francisco to LA because he was tired of taking choppers from SF to LA. And um, he wanted to build a tunnel. And just put a high-speed train underneath so that he can get from there to here within an hour or 90 minutes, I think. The whole Which Hyperloop... trains anymore now. It's, it's, a, it's a... It is a kind of train. It's like a capsule. It's Hyperloop. So I actually don't know the exact details, but I'm pretty sure it's a combination of maglev and opposite poles. It's like almost a vacuum inside of the tube, but then inside the capsule, you still have air. So it's like 
if you if you flick something from this end such as this capsule full of people and there's no air within the uh tube then essentially you have less drag because there's not enough air molecules to like there's no resistance. hold the yeah there's no resistance basically there's no drag so it would require less force for you to get from point a to point b so and it's with, all electromagnets right yeah maglev is a concept of electromagnetism so right. if you push it'll just easily end up going to point b from point a without having to put too much without having to spend too much energy and it would be really quick elon musk does so much cool shit i don't even understand him as in he just seems different from everyone else i think he's a different species like i don't know if you've heard the joe rogan experience episode with oh, yeah, him of course so have you i don't did you notice how the way that he's thinking after Joe Rogan asks him a he question. He takes a pause after every question. Yeah, it's like he really thinks it through and then gives a very poised response. Right. <laughs> it's like it's he, bizarre seeing him speak. He thinks through the whole thing and then it's like he just writes a whole essay in his head and then he spits it out. And the Joe Rogan is just like trying to engage him in conversation. He's trying to like say stuff, tick him off, I guess. And he's just really calm and really composed and I, I don't know it, it's it's the way that he answered questions was just bizarre. If Joe Rogan asked a question, he would probably respond with another question, be like, "Is it really like that?" And then Joe Rogan would just be like, "Oh, well." And then he goes off on a tangent and then tries to like, explain his question better and Elon is just sitting there. That was a really good episode. The Rogan asked him what it feels like to be Elon Musk and he's like, "You wouldn't want to be me." Yeah. That's so much mystery. Yeah, like it's it's it's, you know, it's mysterious, but also like I wonder what must must it be like to be Elon Musk when you're doing so many things, so many like, groundbreaking things. You might have a million ideas in your head at all times. Does the guy even sleep? Dude, there was this other episode of JRE um where he was talking to an employee. I think the guy that's worked for Tesla maybe. I'm not I'm not exactly sure whether it's Tesla or SpaceX. But uh SpaceX, I think. Yeah, then he was talking about like how does it feel like to work for Elon Musk? And the guy's just like it's unbelievable. I don't know how he does it. He's a superhuman. He takes a meeting in Hawthorne, which is SpaceX, and then flies up to Tesla in a helicopter and then comes back and he's just like everywhere at once. I don't know how he does it. He's a very I, polarizing I he's a figure. Human being. So, Tesla generally has a very high turnover of employees, you know, a lot of their accounting staff just bounce and um, It's kind of like that for SpaceX also. Really? I yeah, thought so, SpaceX was generally like immune from this shit. No, so usually like other than people who move into leadership, SpaceX's general like the the, the amount of time the the employees stay within the company is about 2 and a half years. Is it because the job is super high demanding? Oh, it's so taxing. Like a year ago when I was uh, applying for jobs, I had applied for um one company in Seattle and then I also applied for SpaceX and I got through the first round and I had a phone interview and I was like oh I had this phone interview with SpaceX um I was just wondering if you had any pointers or had any suggestions and I was talking to one of my bosses and also a guy who actually interned at SpaceX who worked in my research lab at Georgia Tech and he said yeah it's really good but like it's really taxing it's you'll burn out like really quick and then i was talking to my boss and he said oh yeah you could join spacex but you would probably burn out in like a, a year so do it now and not 5 years from now 
because now you have the energy. Yeah, but that makes sense, right? Like you want to do something like that. And even if it's just for a year or two, like I'm pretty sure the experience you get and what it would mean on your resume would be ginormous. Oh, it's a bomb. It's a bomb. Even like when I was in the interview and I was talking to the representative, she said our hours are that we don't have hours. You have to work on weekends. You have to work long hours every day. Are you comfortable with doing that? I said, yeah. Um, it didn't progress after that, but SpaceX is a very taxing environment. Often I feel like like the company is sort of a representation of the owner or the CEO. And it mm-hmm. makes sense that SpaceX or Tesla or any of Elon Musk's companies would be like that because it just seems like he is like that, you know? Like it's the same way, I don't know, like Amazon also has a reputation for being like a really taxing place to work in. Mm. Oh, yeah. And- and so, I'm, I'm talking about like the, the corporate side of it, like obviously the workers in the warehouses and stuff like. Did you guys read the New York Times article with what it's like to work at Amazon corporate? This came out, this came out like a while back, right? Uh, several years ago, but they basically detailed how they have like a very rigorous work culture where you are encouraged to report on other employees that you think are king or not doing their work properly. And that creates like, a lot of mistrust between the you're always on call. Like, let's say you are on vacation somewhere. They will expect you to respond to emails, to do work. I mean, a lot of companies do that, yes. But at Amazon, according to that article, this is taken to extremes. But did you look at Jeff Bezos' response to this article? I haven't even seen the article. So it's it's very damning. Like, if you read the article, you will think to yourself, people must be insane if they decide to work here and not at Google or Facebook. Because these are really, really smart people, right? Like, in the tech space. So the first letter that Jeff wrote in response to this article was that he said that all of the employees of Amazon, I'm pretty sure that the Amazon that's described in this article and the Amazon we work at every day are not the same. And I'm sure everyone can testify to that. So that was the initial response. But then in an interview, right, they asked him, what do you think about the work culture and how toxic it is? So he said something very interesting. He said, if these people are so unhappy with the work culture, and it, if it is really such a horrible place to work, why have they not quit? Why do they keep coming back? Why do they work here? Of course, like it's fulfilling for them, right? They're doing new and revolutionary things every day. And they like that. They trade off whatever they have to to do that, which means that they can't possibly see it as a terrible workplace that they don't want to be in. The other thing he yeah. said was, look, I think that this idea of work-life balance is it's weird he said that if my work isn't fulfilling and if it isn't challenging then i can't come home and add meaning to my family's lives because i will be bored and i have nothing to contribute but if i spend too much time at home then i can't meaningfully contribute at work and therefore i'm not extracting meaning from my life and therefore i can't give meaning to my family as well so that's interesting because that's interesting because a lot of times like, here in grad school, when we have career workshops and things like that, that they emphasize a lot on culture fit in a company. Usually they'll say that there might be a lot of companies that you want to apply to, but make sure the culture in the company and what you're expected to fits your lifestyle and your idea of a work-life balance. And basically just because the company sounds great and you might have all the skills to to apply to that position doesn't mean that that's the right company for you, even if they want you. Right. This is interesting because I've heard the same thing about grad schools as well. So if, say, Harvard rejects you, but you get into Booth, 
you will realize at some point that it's not an indictment of your talent or your ability to contribute the school just doesn't believe that you'd be a good fit at the school maybe there's a certain kind of candidate that they want there's a certain kind of person they want and you just aren't that kind of person and that doesn't mean like that's not a knock on you per se but different people just do different things and achieve things in different ways speaking of harvard you know what i recently found out my grandfather my mom's dad went to harvard on a fulbright scholarship what i had no idea wait are you serious you know you can get into yeah. harvard based on this i know i might have some sort of yo <laughs> so you're like, a legacy what? student basically wait 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 so i found this out and so apparently what happened was and this was later in his career he got the fulbright scholarship i think he was like first one or one of the first ones from india to get it and then he went to harvard to study some kind something education related because he was an educator and apparently there is some town in somewhere in the midwest i can't remember that has like a street named after him or something or like a day named after him what like some tiny small village or some shit but what did know. he do there i don't know like my i think so i'd heard of the street thing before at some point and i can't remember what it was but even the harvard thing i wasn't so i i vaguely remember having some conversations where i i more probably mentioned it in passing or something and i never took notice but recently my uncle posted something on facebook and that's when i found out and like sort of confirmed that this whole thing happened and i'm like what the hell why was this like not something that i was told multiple times as a kid or you know while i was applying to grad school because i didn't even apply to harvard this is actually kind of mind blowing and i think you should do something about it if i ever do an mba i'm definitely applying to hbs oh it but usually it doesn't work that way i think i think the legacy thing only works if you're applying to the same school also the legacy thing doesn't just work if oh my dad went to hbs it's sort of like legacy students are people like mukesh ambani's kids or you know um your parents Obama. are billionaires or they're the sultan of some country in the middle east or yeah obama right it might yeah exactly it, it can't hurt your chances but it is i mean it won't be the sort be a of cool story like, It'll, it'll be a cool story to say in my essays but other than that i don't see how it will help because it's also like a long time back and you know i don't i don't think they had a relationship after that or anything like that but that was that was cool to find out it's really, pretty sick so I, i find stanford's admissions in uh, essays really interesting i think they have the same ones for both undergrad and postgrad for every school but i i don't know it's been a while since i checked I think the two are what matters most to you and why, and the uh, the other is why Stanford. So isn't that like the second question is sort of all schools, right? Like you have to explain why you're specifically choosing that school. But they so in a lot of other schools, Harvard, for instance, had no prompt a while back. It just said, "Tell us something that is relevant to your candidature," and no word limit. So it was up to Columbia you how you wanted prompts. to construct your story. Columbia yeah. had prompts, but I can't specifically remember what those prompts were. But I remember explaining my background and how I fit in Columbia and why specifically I was choosing Columbia as a school. Speaking of schools, you do you know California has either abolished or is going to do away with SAT scores for admissions. Oh wow! Like all the like the UC schools. 
But then uh, what? How are they gonna judge you? Like other uh, stuff. Uh, so according to them, according to them, SATs have some sort of like there are there are socio-economic barriers to the SATs. Uh, they don't think first of all that it minority groups can prep enough or something. Selection. Yeah, it's like it's like obviously if you have resources, you can do more prep, and then it's not truly a reflection of how smart you are or how you might be able to contribute to the school. It's more about like how good you are at prepping. Okay, I I have a very different view on this. In my opinion, it's a big equalizer with a test, right? What do you have to do? You study and you you pass. You get you get a good score. It's entirely within your control. Of course, like you can buy certain materials that might get you a higher score, sure. But I still think that's easier for me to do than get an internship at the White House because my dad knew somebody there, or take a trip to Burma or I don't know, like Thailand or something, and mm-hmm. volunteer there. So I think these sorts of things are what a lot of the people that get into these top schools have on their resumes. I can't compete with that because of the fact that I don't have those kinds of resources. What I can do is I can study hard, I can get a good test score, and then I can at least show that school that, hey, listen, I can grind. I'm smart. So give me a chance. I guess so, it's still see your scores from school, like high school. Hmm. But I don't know actually. I've, I probably should read up on it a little more, but I think that was kind of the rationale behind going away with. Well, it's also uh, the concept PSA. of like one. But also, the SATs itself are expensive, right? Yeah. So hold on. So it's it's. You a, have to pay. Of course. What are you saying? No, I thought in the US it was default. Like if you go no. to public school, you no, oh, you still not. pay the same amount. Absolutely not. You still have to pay. But then, how is that different from working for free for some non-profit? or i don't know buying materials to build robots for science fairs at mit that's the sort of thing these people write in their resumes so again like i don't know i'm just maybe i'm just too passionate about this i feel like a lot of this o oh, scores are for uh, well off people well, you know people who are socio economically worse off can't get them is a bit patronizing to me okay so here here's what i think one it's a combination it's it's the idea that a single test should not be able to reflect your quality of knowledge but it doesn't right like it's only a small part of it like it's not like people get into colleges based on just your sat score it's not like india where you have entrance exams true but then people do consider the sats like a place like yale or harvard or any of the ivies for undergrad would consider the SAT heavily compared to just what they do outside the SAT. It becomes a huge factor in their thing. It's like GPA, right? It's like a cutoff. Unless you have this certain of GPA, then they won't even look at your application. Yeah, but I mean, Ivy League schools are elitist anyway. Okay, so then it's like, okay, I guess we're talking about like the UCs. Very elitist. Yeah. In the sense that they don't... I mean, they don't actively try to be elitist, but just the way it's structured, you need resources if you're going to an Ivy League school. Yeah, I mean, I, I can mean, see that. There's the tuition for there's starters. Tuition, a bunch of other random fees you got to pay. Then they have these events where I feel like it's a big deal and you have to sort of dress in a certain way sometimes in these networking events. Like Because you're men and women of Colombia. The, the school has like, computers with a lot of softwares and things like that if you're learning your know, analytical programming but a lot of times for classes you don't get to access that like your 
heavily encouraged to buy your own software. Wow. Which I never did. I always used the school laptop because it is a little inconvenient doing that for every class. It's things like I don't know. I just got a very elite vibe. They don't like rub it in your face or just, they don't try to be. They do a lot of. I mean, the, especially with Colombia, I feel like because they are in communities of color where they have been accused of gentrification. I think that is true. I also think they try to do things for the community. I feel like because I went to the public health school, and they are, I think, just actively trying more to do things for the community because the social economic, uh, social determinants of health are a huge part of what we're taught. So I think because we have that kind of focus, we do try and think of social injustice and how it relates to public health and things like that. But I feel like a lot of other schools might not be doing that. And mm-hmm. I don't know overall as a university how much Columbia is doing because there definitely has been like a lot of complaints against Columbia about how they treat the neighborhood, how they treat like their role in gentrification, even stuff like there's been some. There was this huge thing about student unions here, because yeah. student workers union, and they weren't allowed for the longest time. And now I think they've come to some sort of agreement, and they're working something out. But well, it's also because like Colombia owns a huge portion of the city of New York, right? I mean, Colombia is the biggest landowner in New York after right. the government. So they obviously have to have a huge say in gentrification and socioeconomic growth. Yeah, a lot Columbia of it rests in their hands. Owns Almost, so Columbia almost owns half of the west side of Manhattan from, I don't know, like around 100th Street to 168th Street or something. Like, it's it's crazy. It's crazy how much property they own. So basically everything south of Harlem and north of Hell's Kitchen? No. It's starting from the like upper edge of the upper west side to Washington Heights. So I, I, I've, I've always dreamt of like, going to the US and getting citizenship and starting a life there and so on since I was a kid. I mean, I stayed there for one year as a 13-year-old with my mother when she was doing her master's and I've been infatuated ever since then because it was just, I don't know, I, I'm a big lover of America, so to speak. Despite all of the problems that are becoming clear to me now, the dream still persists. But when I think about hard it is to make it there, First, you take on massive amounts of debt. Then you go to this new country and you somehow get through your program. And then you're trying to compete with people who are already citizens or green card holders for jobs. And no one wants to hire you because policies are geared against you. Then you go back to your home country where people already sort of mistrust you because you don't have a degree from that country. So it's still harder for you to get a job. How do you pay your debt back? And... A lot of these people, right, like they've been in the U.S. for, say, eight, nine years. They came there at the age of 18 and now they're like 24, 25, and they might have to go back. They'll get unceremoniously kicked out. Yeah. Despite the fact that, you know, they've spent a large chunk of their lives in this country. They've studied there. They want to, you know, contribute. They want to start their lives there. But it's like being in the situation right now, I can definitely tell you that it is extremely stressful to be an international student in the U.S. right now. Just because of the things you mentioned, like just the policies are stacked against you. It's hard to get employment. Uh, Obviously, the coronavirus doesn't help. But even other than that, I feel like the whole um, world is against you, like in every way, in terms of earning money, in terms of getting a job. I feel like my biggest stressor here stems from the fact that I'm not from here. 
it's really stressful to be in the US right now if you're not a US citizen, especially because there's a lot of policies that aren't really policies. So, for example, Trump just tweets stuff out and they're not, they haven't been adopted as policy yet, but that just causes so much confusion. And obviously, employers want to stay safe. If, if they're hiring someone, they're making an investment in that person. So they won't want to hire someone who they can't even keep for more than a year, right. more than a few months. So it gets hard to get employment. And another thing which I have learned, and that's nothing to do with the US specifically, but I don't think I'm ever taking up debt in my life ever again. Oh, it's such, it's such I a pain. Think, I think that is another big stress factor that I would not want to experience again. Like more than just the debt and the fact that you need to pay it back. Like, I feel like I cannot sleep at night sometimes. No, also because the debt is not just my debt, right? It's also tied into my parents' accounts and like all of that. So it's, I feel responsible for my parents as well. Coming back to what Avilaksh was saying, you always wanted to come to the US, live here. I never had that dream. The only reason I came here was for my master's and Columbia. In my, yeah, in my undergrad, I never even applied to the US because when a lot of, I was encouraged to, but I, I, it was never a thing for me. Like that whole, oh, you'll go to America, you'll get a better life, you, whatever. Like that was never a thing for me. And like now coming here, I don't think I want to live here. If I can get a job that sponsors H1B, that's great. And I mean, take it one step at a time. But if I don't and I have to leave this country after a year, I'll be, I'll happily do it. 20 years ago, I could see the glamour and the, oh, let's go to America and let's work in America kind of thought process. But I don't know if the US has that same glamour now. I mean, for me, the only... So two things, like in terms of attractiveness of working here right now, one, you just have more opportunities in the healthcare space that I'm in. Mm. So it's cool to work here and just learn from people because there's so many things happening surrounding healthcare that you won't find in India, for example. Yeah. So opportunity wise in my field, yeah, US definitely has that over like countries like India and most other countries, in fact. Uh, Very similar to aerospace. Yeah, exactly. And the second thing is just, I would like to work here as much as I can so that I can pay off my loan quickly. Because obviously you get paid more here compared to India to do the same kind of work. So it's more like a financial thing than, oh, I really want to stay in this country. I mean, I like my, I like my time in this country. I had so much fun, like, especially because I was in New York, but I don't think it's something that I'm thinking of. Like if I don't get to stay here, that's going to be a huge drawback or anything like that. So, um, if you don't mind answering this question, what was your, what's the total tuition you'll, you have to pay Columbia in dollar terms and in INR terms? I think it was around 20,000 per semester dollars, including everything. 2021. No, four semesters. Oh, so like 180 grand roughly, maybe. Yeah, close to 100 grand, 90 grand maybe. If you were to include living expenses, what would that amount to? Like totally, how much do you think you're done? I don't know. I think I made the right decisions and I've lived in New York cheaper than most people have just because I've had cheap housing. I mean, I live in a glorified closet, but it doesn't matter to me. The rent is cheap. Uh, In my first year, there was this guy staying in our living room. So that sort of brought down the rent as well. Yeah, I remember this. My lifestyle here is... Like I do party a lot, but in general, my lifestyle is pretty frugal. 
I don't spend a lot. Even when we're going out, we go to cheap places. I don't do fancy stuff. I haven't really traveled. I actually have traveled around quite a bit, but it's always been like cheap travels, not nothing. Like buses or something like that, right? Yeah, buses and cheap flights when I came to Atlanta. And I think you only flew I was gonna do. to Atlanta. That, that was the only flying. As well. Oh, fuck. Yeah, you went to Vegas. But then it wasn't on my money. So that was, that was a work trip. Right. So one big travel I was going to do was actually going to be this spring break. I was going to go to Europe, but fucking coronavirus ruined everything. I remember this. You were trying to convince us yeah, to come to Europe. I would have come. It been so much fun. I had everything planned out. I was going to go to like four or five cities. I was going to meet friends. I was going with friends from here. It was going to be a great trip. But then coronavirus happened. And what sucks more was that I had been saving for that trip. And then I lost a lot chunk of that saving just because you don't get refunds for everything right wait yeah. wait 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 you booked tickets and then you got fucked over yeah because oh, i was they under the impression you, you just never got to that stage dude i had my visa like you never booked anything oh fuck dude i had i had all my flights booked but luckily i got refunds for one of them uh the internal flights in europe are like damn cheap they're like 15 20 dollars so i, I got a couple of those were like yeah, yeah, yeah it was because i didn't have any luggage i was literally going to go for a week with one small backpack I tell you what in India right like as we so have okay, oh, I cuz I have I have to rant about the power of the Indian passport or the lack thereof go ahead <laughs> well that's one of the reasons why I wish I were american but I am not unhappy about the fact that I'm indian it's just I wish my passport was stronger as well if I had a US passport or a Singapore passport that would be extremely powerful but having said that so okay at ISB i spent maybe 35 lakh inr on my education everything included that is around half of what you paid for columbia right 35 lakh mine was a one year course yeah which is yeah, expensive compared to like indian standards let me do some math here it's definitely expensive it's i think if you were divided by 70 that's around that's 50k that's um yeah. that's pretty expensive <laughs> It's quite expensive, but I was staying in what was essentially a five-star resort. People were there to, you know, cater to my every need. Yeah, you and, had cleaners who would come clean your fucking room. Yeah, <laughs> I can't like, relate. And I literally had to lug all, all my laundry in the fucking snow to go outside to a laundromat. Like that is my wow. life here. So that is something I've never had to experience. You know, touch wood. But even so. Uh, there's a lot of the little things that they did for us that I don't think Colombia would have done for you. Like listening to you describe that some of like, for instance, we were never asked to pay for any proprietary softwares. Um, they were all installed onto our personal laptops. Then we had like one course where the prof asked us to buy a case, and the whole batch refused to register for that course. <laughs> so they decided to pay for that case study anyway. We never had to pay for. anything outside of lens and pencil i can't think of a single expense that was related to academics that wasn't covered in our tuition so there's a lot of these like little comforts that are compounded by the fact that i was in a country that i can call home where people speak my language where people understand me where i have the course right so sometimes i you know ask myself if i would have if i'm going to regret not having done a masters in the us or some other foreign country but then i think about just how much of the struggle i have never been exposed to that a lot of my friends are going through right now and that makes it better for me i still had a blast like i think isb is i mean sure i'm a shill for them because i love the place but 
they are yeah, so do i like i love columbia i had a, f- a fucking amazing time here like i got a lot out of this as not regretting coming here but i'm saying there are things that sort of add up financially also stress wise of living in another country and having some uncertainty surrounding your future but yeah coming back to the passport oh my god this whole euro trip preparation just exposed me to the realities of the indian passport how, how the indian passport sucks and how much of a of a benefit it is to have a passport that is actually powerful my friend who was american literally did not have to do anything me and a friend who's also indian we were going through hoops to try and get our visa in like quick time because we didn't have a lot of time because we kind of planned a little late but mm. we had so many things we had to pay extra we had i did not but my friend had to pay an external service to even get an appointment with the visa office just going to the visa office having that also being uncertain you know am i going to get the visa or not that just made me realize that when you know how like we grew up watching american tv and american movies right Mm. So when you see stuff like just people just packing their bags and going on to a euro trip or just, just getting on a flight semester abroad it is actually that easy for them and you can never relate to that as an indian because for you that's going to be just so much preparation to even do that not not counting for the fact that our currency is also weak and then going to europe is going to be like super expensive it's not that expensive here when you consider if you're earning in dollars or whatever and just overall I I agree with Avilash I wish I had a more powerful passport I am not sure if I necessarily want that to be a man an American passport but that that does make life so much easier especially if you're into traveling and you know just want to go to a different country and experience a different culture All right here's what we're going to do I'm going to get my citizenship and then one of you can marry me for 6 months I called it and then we'll apply and I would divorce called it on marrying kaza I, i was the first one to say i'm ready to do it all of you guys were like what's about it well it's a Listen, cyclic I'm, process I'm right i'm already here i'm already here that is so, true he's already here so paperwork and everything could be easier i already stayed with kaza that is I've true i've been to his house multiple we times we can make a, me and kaza can make a more convincing case for a couple than you and kaza really how yeah how? let's hear it it's i want to i want to hear this It's a thing bro like It's a my thing. My friend really likes Kaza. Okay, that's you know, just like, cuz like I'm cool, okay. but then how does oh, that I'm pretty sure like Kanthi's girl would also be okay with it. I don't have oh. a girl. Okay. Oh. Jury's out. But <laughs> the con- the no, concept but... is you guys need to make your argument. You can't use women as like Yeah, exactly. An no, argumentative that, piece. Okay fine but then we okay, can look, get Okay look I'm going to you know like Joe Exotic did with those two dudes that weren't actually gay <laughs> <You guys laughs> <are just you. laughs> Dude if you <laughs> That's a good idea I can do that But if you if yeah. you marry Kaza that would be like an episode of 90 day fiance <laughs> No man If you I marry Kaza that would be more believable <laughs> You I don't know if you're familiar with the show 90 day fiance I haven't seen it. So have you heard of Big Ed? What's he famous for? <laughs> the guy with the big neck and like chin and like who looks like So Kathy actually said hard. like a really good joke except you didn't get it. <laughs> wait. So wait, who is who is Ed? Who's the Ed? 
Wait, Abul Akshay's Google 90 Day Fiance. Am, am I big head? No, he would be big head. No, you would be big head. Why would I be big head? Big head is from here, right? Okay, yeah, but like, why would I be? Why would I don't you know? Have to be big head. You you brought up the question. What the hell? Just, that okay, was the so this, okay, I see a friend, <laughs> and I see. Okay, wait. Oh, I've seen this guy before somewhere. Yes. Yeah. So you know. Yeah, you know what it is. You just don't know that it's called 90 Day Fiance. Oh, wow. So this is, oh, interesting. But then, this, I mean, this is exactly what we're trying to do, right? Yeah. You, you, you link up, you go about paperwork and stuff, and then whenever it gets filed, you just walk away. Bro, how did the US government allow this? So there was a whole TV show made about people coming to the US to get married and get citizenship. And they were totally cool with this. It's reality, US, right? Reality US TV. It's like the most bizarre reality TV ever. Like, no, I mean, like, they make such a huge deal about, oh, you know, you can't just marry a citizen and get citizenship. We have checks and balances. We make you give tests. And Not if you're making money they have like a full... for them by appearing on TV. You know how much traction the show has got just because of the characters in it? Is... The show is huge. It's so funny. But yeah, coming back to the topic at hand, uh, I'm the one marrying Kaza. Yeah. Fight my bitches. Fine, okay. I'll be your second marriage then. I'll marry Kanti after he marries Kaza and gets divorced in a couple of years. Um, you have to wait. You have to wait till I become a citizen then. Yeah, which is going to take yeah. another five years. Really? It takes five years? So wait, you only get a green card if you're married to a yeah. Are you a citizen? Yeah. It takes five years yeah, if you're married. If you're not, like, then it takes like a lifetime, especially now. So if I'm a citizen and I marry Kanti, I will apply for a green card. And in general, that the turnover for that will be like less than a year, year and a half, maybe. And then from that point onwards, it'll take five years for him to become a citizen. Can't I just okay, have at an this point, I just want to make... Wait, wait, before anything, I just want to make it clear to, like, the five listeners that we have, <laughs> that my name is Shaunak and not Kanti. That's yeah. They just, they just Sh- call me because that's my middle name, but my name is Shaunak. So if anyone's confused who the fuck Kanti is, that's me. Okay, but, like, it, it's you're more Kanti than Shaunak. No, I'm definitely, I don't even use my middle name here. Yeah, who I started mean, this? Who started calling you Kanti? Me. You know, it's so bizarre. Wait, can you hear the ambulance? The sirens? Yeah. yeah. Hashtag Columbia. Like, I literally live next to the Presbyterian Hospital. So, I it's what I hear like all day, every day. But yeah, coming back to my name, it's weird because independently, two groups of people started calling me Kanti. Like, first in school, people just started calling me Kanti. Then I went to college. And people again started calling me Kanti. It's not like they had any kind of interaction. Because I don't believe it was Ronit who sort of started it. I think... Just no, no, it was me. It was me. I'm going to... Yeah, I'm going to take this. it wasn't this. like Ronit, because he was in my school, he knew me as... Like, people called me Kanti and then started in, it in VIT. It happened independently. And I don't know what's so appealing about that, like, middle name. Shonak is just, like, irritating. It's like saying yeah. Prabhakar. Prabhakar is really yeah. Shonak is literally two syllables. But like, you have to say Shonak instead of Gandhi. Like, 
again both the effort, syllables the effort it's not so not just it's too common you know you're just some bengali dude if like yeah your name is sonak. sonak is not a common name it's how it's many very sonak common. do you know 3 including you no wait more actually 4 5 how do you know so many I sonaks know, i don't know sonak sarkar sonak <laughs> bhattacharya sonak agarwal sonak i have literally heard of four sonaks in my entire life so there's there's more sonaks that spell it s h a u n a k but no i decided to get rid of my middle name here because first of all they would butcher that name yeah I'm it sure turns into say, canty no it would probably also become canty which i did not want <laughs> but guys <laughs> yeah i just i just wanted to keep it as simple as possible just not confuse people cuz they already can't say my first name so they say shaunak right no they say shaunak. okay so Sh- a lot shaunak. of people who know me say it correctly no they say shunak shunak oh. <laughs> and i mean i don't even try when i go to the rbox or something because i just i just say shon yeah cuz s h o n it's impossible no okay so this one time i went to starbucks and i said shon and the woman wrote my name as s e a n which is fine yeah then the person who was serving my coffee calls like sees the cup and calls out seed like <laughs> excuse me like i'm already shortening my name for you <laughs> you end up saying scene bro oh. so um when i was in so i went on this trip right like it was 13 no wait nine indians nine chinese people nine singaporeans and um i was at this bar with one of the chinese guys um i asked him his name and he said my name's juo but jason is the name that my english teacher gave me yeah all of them have two names so, yeah so they have like an anglicized name and they have an original yeah they have that here as well and often they just yeah. select their sort of their anglicized names because it's it's just easier it's usually yeah. uh, a variation of their chinese name or asian name no no not always and then no man i'm telling just you just randomly that. select a name they like yeah so i know this girl i i don't even remember her name but uh, like i met her in new york she chose to name herself evelyn because she just liked the name mm. i mean yeah that's yeah, also there but Dude, so I think everyone calls Kaza Kaza. Other than his parents, they call him Sai. And but family. He goes by Kaza. He introduces himself as Kaza. Yeah. I know, but so because Kaza case, doesn't have a name. Like, <laughs> different groups of people call me different things. So you guys call me Sharma, okay? Or um, Lux. Yeah, or Lux. Right? Or Chetan. Chetan. <laughs> I I was just telling my friend how bizarre it is that some of us just have like a different name which has nothing to do with our names. Like Abhilash is Chetan. Fuck? God, God, God is you were chota Chetan, bro. God is God is Shankar. Kaza is Suji. Kaza is Jalandhar Sai Suji, which makes no sense. This, yeah, like, I, I still like, I have no idea how this came across. <laughs> yeah, neither do Yo, I. Yeah, but so, okay, so different groups of people call me different things, right? Like, so one thing I've noticed is close female friends somehow. they may never have met each other but they all call me lakshu okay and they're all from different places different backgrounds i don't know how that common thread came then people at isb call me lux like l u x mm american friends from the 8th grade call me bhi like just abi abi right? yeah so thinking about passports and stuff 
brought me to this but i think the reason why india has a weak passport or developing countries don't have a strong passport is that citizens from there are generally trying to leave so i think europeans are worried that if they allowed indians to freely come and go as they pleased most of them would find like ways to settle immigrating would become easier for them and they don't want that they don't want their country to be cluttered with indians because indians would definitely leave if they could i think um but but it's just like like there's a difference between visiting a country and just staying there but dude people when they're immigrating when they desperately want to do it this is how they do it they'll just become impossible to remove from those countries and uh, you know eventually you have no choice but to make them citizens you can't deport that many people if you're trump you can think, yeah i mean he tried but even he can't stop it i think it's a paradox right like the more well off your country of origin is the better its passport will be but you wouldn't want to leave yeah but they're also well off because they fucking suppressed every other country in the world for like hundreds of years so, yeah so i mean there's a moral obligation on them to allow us to come and my friend told me this recently which makes a lot of sense that because we were talking about reparations and stuff like that and she was like reparations doesn't have to be like monetary thing like it can be stuff like just allowing for example with the uk and india because we were colonies and we were oppressed by them that they should just allow us to come and at least access their education for a reduced fee or like for free even right some sort of easier so that we can use barriers. that education and okay don't probably don't have to let us stay there but we can at least use that education because their schools are superior because they have all these years of history like, le- yeah they have they've had a leg up so at least we can do the least they can do is let us access their education and then we can come back to our country and you know do whatever we want to do that's really interesting i mean that that would be easier than justifying monetary transfers yeah and i think and it, it makes it has practical benefits like some kind of employment opportunities or educational opportunities from countries that you have colonized in the past i don't know i i don't think it will ever this whole reparations thing i don't see it ever happening oh except if it was like, going to happen then it would have happened by now yeah except in some sort of tokenistic fashion i just don't see it happening So there's this discussion I was having with a bunch of people from the debate society from college where uh, I've noticed that Indian people tend to be really excited about white people picking up parts of our culture and adopting them. I I mean if let's say a white friend of yours asked to be taken sari shopping you would be super excited like I would I, mean, I know I mm. would not <laughs> but okay. I would be okay no, with I, that. You want like I mean I'd take them but I'd be like okay a lot of cultures don't take appropriation well I, i just don't think that we feel that way for some reason but like, i also feel like with appropriation it's like what's the line like i feel like appropriation is an issue when you are using another country's culture to make pro- and making profits out of it i think that's problematic but then so that was sari shopping like someone a lot of times celebrities get like a lot of flack for even ethnic dresses or exactly or an outfit or from a different country which i i don't know maybe they're because they're celebrities them wearing that maybe has some sort of positive economic benefit to them i think I indians just would be talked about stuff like that like if jlo decided to wear sari a lot of indians would be happy i think yeah that excited. makes sense like Yeah that makes that makes sense like i personally wouldn't have a problem with it unless it's obviously trying to for example when when people try to use when starbucks uses chai tea latte or 
and their like coffee or whatever non bread ghee butter that's that kind of pisses me off because that's when you're actually taking something that's literally been going on for thousands of years in our country which every household does every household gives their kids at some point in their life with milk or whatever because they know the health benefits of it and then you're using that to like like is that appropriation i don't know but oh 100% that's appropriation wait wait but in india we have sushi shops we have i don't know pasta restaurants yeah exactly. okay that's a restaurant and then that's like it's you're not calling it something different you're serving pasta okay but i but, feel like it's also it's also because of the history and the dynamics because yeah yeah it's a little different when white people do it that is true but i so i i've i've heard two competing theories about this the first is that indian people are we feel like we need the approval of white people like we feel that our culture is inferior to that so when they find it exciting and they pick up stuff about it we feel happy about ourselves like we feel respected yeah i've heard this that's that the, that's interesting because that makes a lot of sense i think in general there is this sort of inferiority complex which there shouldn't be but but also i mean maybe that's also like a i don't know do you think that's sort of diminishing with our generation yeah 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 for sure like i don't think but our generation I, cares that much about i think the other like side of the coin abroad. yeah but um so in my opinion it comes from a place of security as well i don't think indians worry about losing their culture as such so we don't we aren't really perturbed by the notion of our culture being taken away and used against us because i think we have a very safe space to practice that culture in our country so a lot of these cultures that are worried about appropriation are cultures that don't have a home to go back to or you know who had a lot of things stolen from them and never returned by their oppressors and they're just aggravated by the fact that it was just that they took it and they didn't give you credit i guess i mean i see what you're saying but then i think those two concepts are kind of different right us being scared of not losing our culture versus us having the fear of appropriation i think i don't think they're opposites or i do think they're opposites because us having the fear of losing our culture means that we will actively try to involve our ways and our thoughts into our lifestyle and by virtue of us being in a different country we would try to involve that lifestyle into the country that we're in so we would kind of get irritated when people call it chai tea and not just chai mm. like, i mean what you're yeah, saying i was thinking of is it for example with yoga oh yoga is just forget about it it has been like, so commercialized maybe done by south asians no it's or like the, for, the concept of yoga, yoga has food. been killed right i've i've done a decent amount of research on this the concept of yoga was never to like oh i'm going to go to downward dog and pull out yeah, my yoga mat this the shit out of me like the fuck is a downward dog yeah it's that's all of these are very appropriate and as a kid when i was doing it i hated it because i just did not enjoy it it wasn't exciting enough but then me. now you know the value right but now i know the value but also more than that all these poses are like i knew them by different names yeah but the downward facing dog was like a literal translation wasn't it yeah, yeah it was, why do we need to like translate that's true 
they should just be use the original... so i i saw this really interesting meme where uh, this woman was uh, like this black lady an actress or something was on this tv show where so her name's african and it's a bit difficult to pronounce and the host her something about her name and she said something like i i wanted to shorten my name you know i wanted to make it easier for people to pronounce but my mother told me that if they can learn to pronounce tchaikovsky and tart i don't know like all of these right oh yeah names, i've heard they that can, yeah they can learn to pronounce i know what you're talking about yeah i have seen that interview that's why like although personally i really don't care that much about my name or like how people say it it i do appreciate when people take the effort to like learn the correct way of saying it right so that just shows that they're putting an effort to say it the right way like and yeah. it just shows that they Dude, care about it i'll be very honest so when i was in the us i felt this weird feeling like shame i guess when i i had to explain to people how to pronounce my name yeah and i i wondered why i felt that way it's my name dude there's nothing wrong with it but i mean i didn't I wonder like, then but i do wonder now why i did feel shameful i mean shameful. for me it's more of an annoyance when you have to say your name like 15 times for them to get it <laughs> but then if someone is actually genuinely interested in learning it saying it the right way then i mean i appreciate that but you don't want to put that effort in in like coffee shop right that's why i just give like random names seen but, <laughs> yeah <laughs> so i mean yeah but then for example workplace when when i was doing my internship my boss the first thing she tried she made sure was that she was saying my name correctly and i really appreciate that okay i think we're wrapping up on an hour yeah i think it's time to call it a day good cool. talking to you guys again good episode guys i think this was really fun see you next week bye everyone right. thank you for listening thank you everyone for listening to the plus 91 podcast please subscribe to our channel on whatever platform you're listening on and if you enjoyed it please leave a five star review so that we gain more visibility you can also check us out on instagram at plus91pod that p l u s the number 9 o n e p o d plus91pod this podcast is a work in progress so we'd appreciate any kind of feedback that you might have thank you so much for listening